Faith to Form, the podcast for the F2F Music Foundation. Which the mission? Very easily. To enable all youth to pursue continuous and rigorous training in music to their highest level of interest and ability while striving for the best academic achievements possible. F2F is designed to provide disadvantaged students in high schools, in middle schools, elementary schools with the opportunity to excel in their academic endeavors by utilizing the benefits of music. Boy, there's many to enrich their lives and the lives of others in their community. This foundation is now a couple of years old, a little bit more than a couple of years old, and it's growing like wildfire. Um, I will say that for those not in California. But F2F has really done so many things uh, here in the Houston area. And as a result, uh, the people that we've talked to around the world have now become engaged, involved in F2F and uh, absolutely love what's going on. Of course, uh, Bell Lewis is the uh, is the chairman. You are the chairman, aren't you? Yeah, you're the chairman. chairman, CEO. Or you're the president. I'm, I'm everything. He's <laughs> a big guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, award-winning Hammond organist and keyboardist, uh, Vell is an accomplished singer, a producer, and arranger whose music can be found on well-known television shows like The Sopranos, Mad About You, Friends, The Fresh Prince, and many, many more. He has also toured uh, with so many incredible people including the OJs and Grover Washington and Dionne Warwick and, and the Spinners and such. Um, and a lot of activity going on now. And, Bill, we want to talk about that, too, uh, with some of the new um, you know, hits that are coming out. Yeah. Um, and uh, to add to this wonderful spectacular today, and it is, it's a special event, is a gentleman by the name of Greg Manning. Uh, every now and then, a uniquely talented artist through fresh and innovative musical content transfers a resurgence of life into the veins of a genre. Somebody important wrote that, I know. This is indicative of Greg Manning's passion to reach his listeners through a melodic tunes that reach your soul. Uh, like Vell, Greg has toured with uh, Brian McKnight, Kirk Whalem, Will Downing, Richard Elliott, Gerald Albright, and so many more. He's also the former music director of the Grammy Award-nominated uh, artist Jonathan Butler and guides his listeners on a journey of life's influences compiled into his highly anticipated solo project titled The Calling, which we'll talk about and so much more. Oh, wait, we're out of time. Never mind. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, we are. Hey, Greg, you know, you, you were so kind as to, uh, to restructure your, your uh, global trip um, Swiss Air, I'm, I'm sure you're flying. Is that right? To Switzerland here in the next few days or in the middle yes. of September? Yes, okay. correct. Gentlemen, how are you? Good to be here. <laughs> yes, good to have you. You know, that's the answer. Good to be here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I'm not complaining about anything now. You know what I mean? It's all a good thing. Hey, Greg, um, it's so fun to, to get a chance to meet you as well and doing a little research on you because we do those things okay we need we need to know um I, basically you know vel and we'll find out how that relationship is and in, in in paula atherton you you you've joined with her as well for an upcoming concert here in october um you're going a lot of places in october aren't you dude you're going to uh, uh uh wisconsin you're going to vegas you're going to florida a global traveler here. Yeah, yeah, busy uh, month, you know. It's a good thing to be a busy month. You're a, here's the thing about about you. You didn't start out to do this, man. It was like, you know, um you went to pick up the bus that took you over here and instead you got on the other bus and it took you over here. 
because music was not your destination when you really got started in what you're doing right now, is it? Yeah, I'm 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 a late starter in music. You know, it it really uh I think I became interested in music when I was 12, which is ancient for most musicians that I know and probably Val too, you know. They they start like four or five. And for the longest time I wasn't really interested in music. And I've told the story so many times, but one night on, on the radio, there was a song, a Stevie Wonder song came on, a song called Isn't She Lovely? I heard mm-hmm. that song and just my, my world changed. And that song really was, was the foundation of everything and it prompted me to, to become a musician. What you just said there was very interesting because me being a child, a boomer of the 50s and 60s, of course, it was for me, it was the Beatles and that changed my life forever. That's when I became the the traditional garage band of the 60s and boy, we played a lot and had a lot of good time, but it was always, for me, it was a a strong Beatles influence, but I think it's really interesting um, uh, that you're talking about, isn't she lovely, Stevie Wonder. Um, Do you ever get a chance to talk to Stevie and say, dude, you're the reason I do this stuff. And you can blame him too, if you want. That's fine with me. Man, I mean, uh, I think once at, at a NAM show, I had the opportunity to meet him. But honestly, yeah. I chicken out. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> funny when it comes to this. For me, that's like meeting God. And I, I don't think I'm in, in this life right now. I'm, I'm not really prepared. I mean, it, it's, it's so silly of me. But, but Stevie is, is my hero. I don't think I'd be able to say a word. Just I think I was at that same damn show when you when you and he was there. I remember that. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I was I was so awestruck. I saw him, but I I didn't get it together to actually talk to him. He would have said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, man. Appreciate that." Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but what's funny, you know, I, I know a lot of musicians that are pretty close to him, and and uh, I I probably you know. Could have talked to him over the years, but this has never happened. You know what's going to happen someday, Greg? Is he's going to call you up on the phone, and you're going to go, "Yeah, right, Stevie wanted, yeah, yeah, goodbye, yeah, you're a you're a fake," and then he will be asking you to play on something that he's going to record. Um, but wait for that call. Wait for that. If, well, if that, it happens that, during this podcast, go ahead and answer it. We'll wait that, for you. That go same ahead. kind of thing happened to. Uh, hey, the, the phone is the phone's ready. It's right here. I'm, I'm <laughs> waiting for this call. Stevie, had, call him. We had Lenny Castro on one of the podcasts, and we talked about that because I was at his house that day when uh, Mick Jagger called. And uh, wow. his wife came running. She said, "Lenny, you got to pick up the phone." Is Mick? He's like, "Yeah, right." He's yeah. calling me. He's like, "No, pick up the phone." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just never know. You know, so we'll be waiting for the call, and it will come. I have no doubt about that. You've done so many incredible things. One of the things that was in your early future was a Fender Rhodes, because the iconic, iconic, iconic Fender Rhodes keyboards. And my yeah. question is, do you still have that or did you trade it in on something else? What did you do? Oh, no, no, no. I, I will never part with that instrument. My my dad gave it to me. He bought it for me for my 15th birthday. And I'm, I'm, I'm 55 now. And uh, it, it has never left my sight. I love that instrument. And you know that there are many samples out there, uh, some good samples, some not so good samples, but nothing. And I mean nothing. That's Sounds right. like a real Fender Rhodes. 
and and, oh, yeah. and and you know, I didn't even know, but now that I know a little bit more about it, it is actually a Fender Rhodes that that I have. It's it's not just a Rhodes. There's just like the Goldilocks time. I think between seventy one and seventy five, where okay. where where the Fender batch was on the Rhodes, and uh, I, I, a... I have a I have an eighty eight suitcase Fender. That wow. Was... There was a there was a Wurlitzer that came out a key a Wurlitzer keyboard that was yeah. used yes. uh, in many things, but nothing ever compared to the Rhodes. Well, the Rhodes had the uh, had this the speaker cabinet with a couple of fifteens in it, as I recall below, right? Yes, yes. It yes. was like but a dual showman with a keyboard on top. Yes, kind of weird. Yeah, and that's, I mean, when I think one of, of the great features of of the Rhodes is the stereo tremolo. You know, w when you turn this thing on, it, it's it's like it's so hypnotic. It's just yeah. beautiful. I, well, I, I, I always think it. of a Fender Rhodes. I always think of Bob James. I I had a Telecaster that I traded in for another guitar. It was a '67, and I'm still yep. kicking myself today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean talking about great Rhodes players. Of course, Bob James. He's he's one of my heroes. But yep, but uh, I I. I, I I love Herbie Hancock, even his you know his early tone on on the roads. It's it's, it's mm. not as bright. It's kind of dull, but it's it's so rich. It's so fat, yeah. and and of course you know George Duke. Right. There's there's so many out there, and and I love the fact that all roads sound a little different. You know, mm -hmm. they're they're it's it's like a real piano. They all have their personalities. That's true. Yeah. Very true. You know, uh, it, it, it's Val and Greg that we're talking to here about uh, Faith to Form, uh, the Faith to Form Music Foundation. And uh, how did you guys? How did you guys hook up? I mean, you know, well, music is a community. Okay, so you're all related. Everybody's related somehow. So, but the two of you, um, how did Greg and Val uh, get together? Well, well I, I leave that. I leave that to you because I don't clearly remember how did we. How did we meet first? So where did we meet? Yeah, well, it started off for me with um, my management consultant team, which was uh, Myron Bernard and uh, Leanna Ringstadt. Oh, that's right. Yes, yeah. yes. And Leanna's from Sweden. Yep. And Myron travels back and forth between L.A. and Sweden and other places as well, I'm sure. Correct. But uh, he mentioned to me when I was doing my Colors of Soul EP that um, you know you ought to uh, really take a listen to Greg Manning's stuff out there. I said, uh, "Okay, who is that?" He said, "Well, you know, check him out. Just you know, Google him, and you see something." Okay, so I was in need at that point of mixing the tracks, and I had already started talking with uh, Cliff Goroff at Goroff Music Marketing because he and I go back way back years with uh, Tom Morton when I was doing stuff with him. And he um, referred me to his son, Jason, and Jason was managing you, I think, at the time. And he said, well, let me give you a number for Greg Manning. He might do a really good mix for you on your tracks for you. I said, oh, okay, mm -hmm. sure. I said, okay, here's the name coming back again. <laughs> so let me give him a call. <laughs> Must mean <be> something. <laughs> and I called and we connected and I sent the tracks to him. And from that point, it just... It, blossomed into a really good relationship as far as I'm concerned because that's I could tell being you know Greg being a keyboardist we might have some rub here and there because I like my style he's got his style 
And I had never worked with a keyboardist on my own material before. So I said, okay, this is going to be a first. Let's see how this comes out. And when Greg sent me the tracks back, I knew right then, oh, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm sold. Okay, this is where I'm yeah. going. It, um, Greg, me and you are going to be like uh, white on rice from now on. <laughs> and you know why you like it so much? Because the keyboards were so loud in the mix. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I know. Yeah, make the vocals low and put the keyboards high. Right. Okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, so you got a great set of ears and a great set of hands for uh, for, for doing these things. But really, it, 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 you're, you're a self taught musician uh, and i'm sure that's true of a lot of musicians who got into uh, uh, the business you know you had a, you had an interest you had a desire so you you noodled around and back then we didn't have google and youtube where you could yeah. watch stuff and see stuff um but you did that but greg you're a pre-med student so when when you came to your parents to tell you that i'm going to be a musician instead of being a doctor uh, how'd that day go for you greg Ah, uh, there was a long silence, and, and and they they both looked at each other, I guess. But 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 they knew that that uh you know they knew that my love for music was very deep, and uh, you know I mean kudos to my parents. They have always supported me, and basically from from uh, from day one, yeah, they they they, they were very supportive. But uh, my, my dad also said, and it's very true. He said, you know. You, you basically learn music on your own, but in order to have a career, I, I want you to go to school and really study music. And, mm -hmm. and I took that to heart. And although I'm, you know, I, I, at, at my core, I'm definitely a self-taught musician, but I also went to Berklee College of Music and, and I studied composition, I studied film scoring there. And that has, you know, that, that, that has given me a few tools that have become very useful. I bet that's why you're so good at what you do now, not only as a performer, but as a producer uh, as well, as Bell uh, stated. You were a film scoring major at Berkeley. That's huge. That's really, really huge. Because I think to be a, a person who uh, scores films, you really got to understand all aspects of what you're doing. You really yeah, got to figure it out. And you got to really, have a talent for that. Go ahead, Bill. I'm really glad the subject came up also about um, going from, you know, being a self-taught musician or just starting out with uh, music and getting that opportunity to go get educated in music and then take it from there. Because uh, I'm hoping a lot of our listeners right now are some students, music students, because they know about our podcast, that I always emphasize that. If you want to play music, if you want to be in the music business, keep going. Don't stop. Go into college. And we also mentor kids in, through college to help them get scholarships they need for their music career. And then to show them also that it's not necessarily just being a performer. You could do other types of businesses within the music industry. No, absolutely. That make a whole yes. lot of money. Yep. Yeah. And Greg, you're a perfect example of that. Yeah. Walter Walter Beasley was your ear training professor at Berkeley. Now, I think that's really interesting. Yes, I never heard of an ear training professor, but you know, if you want to be a professor, <laughs> why not? What, what's an ear training professor, and what did Walter teach you? Apparently, did good, huh? <laughs> you know, it's actually funny because I was terrible at it, 
and and still you know i i know so many musicians who, whose ear is so much better than mine but but basically at berkeley you you have to take these classes so just by listening to music you understand what's going on you know different yeah. chords different scales different intervals and it, it's it's just learning the 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 craft but uh i'm i'm so grateful to to walter because at the time i was not a great sight reader and you needed to have a very high uh, mark, a, a very high level of sight reading to get into recording ensembles. Berkeley mm -hmm. at the time had, you know, weekly recording ensembles. Uh, uh, musicians would get together in the studio and and record. Basically, you had to sight read music. And although my, my rating was not up there, Walter made it happen that that I got into his uh, recording ensemble. And mm -hmm. every week, I was in a studio recording with with singers. And uh, I mean, the experience of listening back when you play something, you feel great about it, but then you listen back and you're like, oh my God, you know, this definitely sounded better in my head than when it's coming back through my ears. So mm -hmm. that I, I give Walter a lot of credit for that. It really uh, was, was a big foundation for my love for recording, for producing. And also, you know, what, what you just said, Ray, the, the film scoring thing in, in retrospect, I think, of course, the music aspect, learning about different styles, orchestration, that was very important just, just to get the, the palette of colors on, 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 under my hands. But I think the most important thing in film scoring is actually the psychological aspect of, of music. Mm, right. and, and as a producer, when, when, when I deal with artists, I, I would say the psychology is almost more important than, than the music. In, in order to get really a great performance out of an artist, ah, there's, there, there's a lot of psychology involved there. Yeah. Wow. You, uh, you, you also uh, were a part of, uh, well, before we get to the question for Jonathan Butler, uh, have you ever heard of the group? Uh, it's a Russian group called Leonid and Friends. Uh, they are a big... Yes. yes. Yes, I have. There is a song out now uh, by them on YouTube. It's called Speck of Dust. It is an orchestral, amazing piece of work. You, you guys ought to check it out. Speck of Dust, Landon and Friends. Those guys are touring now here in the United States. And that was nothing more than a birthday gift. Leonid uh, was, was originally, he wanted to bring some people into the studio to play some Chicago stuff. And it, it, it came from there. And he's got this amazing group. And, and the last one, the Speck of Dust that's done, it sounds like a movie score. It sounds oh, like wow. it ought to be. I've got to check it out. Score. Yeah. It's yep. pretty cool. So Jonathan Butler was also a big influence. Now, was it Jonathan also at Berkeley with you? Right. Well, he was, right? Uh, well, one of the professors, uh, Carl Beatty, he organized a, a master class with, with Jonathan, and, and, and Carl wanted to have a live band, and, and uh, he contacted me. And, and I mean, you know, I, I really couldn't believe it because I was a huge fan, huge fan of, of Jonathan's. When Jonathan's first record came out, and I think his first record was actually a double record called Introducing Jonathan Butler. I, I was still in Switzerland, living mm -hmm. in Switzerland at the time. I ran to the record store to, to get that record. <laughs> and at, at Berkeley, when I had the, the opportunity to play with him, I was just, you know, I was so elated. And, and uh, it was, was really great, a great opportunity. And uh, JB and I, we, we hit it off. And, and we, we stayed in touch after that. We just call him JB. That means you, you, your buds, right? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. yeah, yeah and you yeah. toured with him for almost a decade. Isn't that right, Greg? Yeah. Nine years. Nine years. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. So 
I want to get into this uh, uh, super group that you uh, got together with this dude named Jeff Ryan. I've heard of Jeff before. Uh, it's called Manning Ryan. And uh, you did that, I think it was a, a few years, about two or three years ago, wasn't it, Greg? I think Jeff's first record, and I'm not sure, I think it came out in 18, 2018 or 2019. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. And uh, yeah, you know, it was actually funny. I, I did a gig with Adam Hawley up in the Bay Area, and and uh, Jeff was just there as, as a hired sax player, and we we, uh, we played music for a benefit, and then it started raining like crazy. And we had to all, we all had to huddle under under a tent, and we started talking. And Jeff was like, "Hey, Greg, you know, I'm I'm working on some on some demos, and I think I'm gonna put out a record. Uh, you know, uh, would you have time to help me with with that?" And I said, "Yeah, man, sure." I gave him my number, and I never really expected him to call me. But then a few weeks later, he actually called and said, "Hey, you know, I was working with another producer, but that, that kind of fell through. Uh, are you interested in helping me finishing my, my record?" And I said, of course, you know, and, and, uh, it came out really nice. It was, was like, like a magical time. We, we, we worked, uh, yeah, we worked, we worked remotely. He was up in the Bay area. He recorded all his sax tracks up there. And I, I did the music down here in, in, in LA. And the, the very first single I think was called, uh, up and up went straight to number one on billboard. The first wow. single oh. off of his first record. So it was a real. It was a real complete synergy with you two guys there. And you're also going to be doing, excuse me, you're also going to be doing some stuff with Greg in October in Vegas, and then you're moving to Melbourne, Florida. Is that right? You guys are? Yes, yes, correct. We're, on the we're road. Doing, we're on the road in October. Yes, yeah, yeah. Hopefully the COVID thing is going to be okay in Florida. So, yeah. you know, we, we'll see. We'll see about that. I like Jeff's style, though. I've been following him ever since I heard uh, his working with you. So it's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he, he's, he's, he's a great guy. Got a great sound on the horn. You know, he's he's uh, he, he just sounds great. I think he could play one note and people will love it. Plus, both, both of you guys are linked together. I mean, you've got such a close-knit uh, relationship musically. It, it seems that it's just a really good fit. Yeah. Um, it makes a lot of sense. You know, the the Beatles used to tour to promote their products, and then they went into the studio and they they did that. So, what is more fun for you, or maybe it's equitable, maybe it's fifty fifty. What's more fun with you? Is it is it more fun sitting in the control room mixing, or is it more fun to get out there and play, or probably both? Huh? You know, I really love both. Uh, I, I love I call it a lab. I love being in the studio. You know, I, I feel like an alchemist, just, just these different ingredients mm -hmm. and, and, and you can put stuff together, but when it's the right combination, it, it's just, just magical. And, and mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, people, <laughs> people don't even know. And I think it's, it's actually a good thing. Sometimes I, I work on four bars for 10 hours, just, just to make it feel right. And, and, yeah. and, uh, you, you can be very, very detailed in the studio, but of course, what's missing is the interaction with a live audience. Yeah. And, uh, you know, playing gigs, that, that, that aspect of playing gigs, live gigs, I, I, I just love the energy feeding off of people. I think it's, it's, really, it's really a great thing. The only thing, you know, the older I get, the only thing I'm, I'm not so crazy about is, is traveling to, to those venues. That, you know, <laughs> when I was younger, like, when I was with, with Jonathan, we used to do crazy things like travel to Cape Town, South Africa, 
and then mm-hmm. and then the next day go back to like you know Houston, Texas, and play a concert there. N- n- now I would need two weeks in between just just to recover. <laughs> <Right. problem. laughs> exactly. Wow, I, I'm sure Vel echoes your sentiment about performing. And 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 uh, over the past year and a half, because of COVID, there have been things that have been canceled, postponed, completely yes. wiped out. Yes. Never going to happen again, but hopefully they will soon. And we've got this variant going on now, uh, which is causing all sorts of uh, hiccups and speed bumps in yep. uh, events and such like that. You are set to do uh, the Fresh Coast uh, Jazz Festival in October, the 9th of October, yep. uh, in uh, Brookfield, uh, Wisconsin. Uh, on the yep. shores of Lake Michigan, which is kind of cool. Yep. Um, but w- that's with Paula Atherton. Now, at yeah. this point in time, it's still on, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It, it 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 will it will happen. I'm pretty sure of that. Yes. Well, let's hope it does. And let's you know the the other thing that I said before with you traveling back to uh, to Switzerland. Uh, uh, please be safe in your travels. This is not the time to be on airplanes and or whatever. Uh, going from place to place, Tra- yeah. traveling in the '60s. Here's a story: uh, traveling down to Kent State University in the Volkswagen bus in the middle of winter with the band in the back. It was fun. Oh so- man! <laughs> <laughs> that, that to do that like now, Pat- it would kill me. That, that sounds like thing. a Pat Metheny story. I know that. <laughs> And it really happened. And we played with, you get a kick out of this, uh, Vel. We played with the OJs at Kent State, uh, which uh, OJs are from Canton, originally from right, Canton. Right. Ohio, so. But anyway, but, you know, Greg, let's talk a little bit about, you know, I know you're a producer and you're doing, you're doing Vel's music and such like that. But um, what, what draws you uh, interest wise into uh, what Vel is doing with Faith to Forum? I mean, you're like the poster child of, I had a dream, I did it. And I'm making it happen. And there are so many aspects of music that you were engaged with, live performances, composing, producing, uh, film scoring, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, how do you how do you sense that the, that F2F is such a, a, an important thing that we're doing here in the Houston market? I really, really love what, what you guys are doing. But because to me, I mean, you know, in, in the way music, the, the, the notes, the, the pitch, that that's actually just the surface of music. The other thing that that that's that right. that goes on in music is you actually have to play with people. You have to listen. You have to be considerate. And I think the more you become about music, you start to realize everything matters. If somebody plays a tambourine or is the lead singer, both of those things have equal value because it, well, it you forgot adds. the cowbell. The oh yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But make that thing louder, of course. <laughs> but I think the wonderful thing is about music; it, it teaches you about life, you know. Yes. And and anything I can do to to support that is 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 really it's in my pleasure to do that. And I think it's so important. And you know, in our public education system, music, the arts, it, it, it unfortunately it goes to the back burner. And I think we're losing so much. We're, we're, we're losing the opportunity for great education about life. And I get it, you know, biology is important, math is important, but I mean, music is, you know, I just said it, music is life. It, yeah. it, it, there's so much in there. And I think we, we, we yeah, kids are, are, are deprived of a big thing if the music education is not there. Yeah, we've actually been putting out some information on our uh, 
the social media pages, primarily Facebook, about the benefits of music and how I'm sure a lot of parents are aware of it, but they really don't know the full impact of what music does, especially to a young child and how it expands their uh, educational uh, input as well. It it creates more concentration and more focus. And one of the things that I'm really focused on right now is the fact that because we're in a pandemic situation, that the kids are needing the emotional stimuli as well so that they will have an opportunity to relax themselves. Uh, I do private lessons with students, and I see many times, almost on a daily basis, where they're on edge because they've just been at home constantly. It's driving them crazy. And when I have a chance to be with them, whether it be virtually or in person, they just, their smiles just its like a light. They're just like, oh, yay, Mr. Lewis, you're here. Can, can we play this song today? I said, yeah, if you, whatever you feel like. If you want to play that song that you did two weeks ago, go ahead, do it. Absolutely. And they jump right Absolutely. into it. And the rest of their day is just so just mellow where they can just, you know, cope with the day's activities. And, uh, you know, of course, parents come home, you know, from work, or whatever. And a lot of people are having to go in the office these days. And they're stressed as well because they feel that same tension of having to be around people. You don't know if they've been vaccinated. You don't know if they're uh, you know, safe to be around. And, you know, you mm-hmm. come home, you don't want to bring those germs and things back into the house with the kids. And yes, it's just yeah. a terrible situation. But like I say, music is that one thing that the kids can fall back on and say, well, I can do this and just kind of go into my own world and you know, enjoy the harmonic stimulation that's happening. You know, it's a great thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think another wonderful thing about music is it just never stops. You know, the, the learning experience, it, it just never stops. You know, I mean, really that's musicians so that know, uh, trained musicians, maestros, they all know it just never stops. There's so much to explore and, and mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think the second you think you know everything about music, that, that that's when you actually start declining. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, a very important element for, for, for kids, and F2F is doing its its job. Thanks to our friends at uh, Gilbreth Communications here in Houston for their tremendous support as a public, uh, public relations uh, connection for, for Faith to Form. Uh, so many great people there in the Houston market that have also stepped up to help promote this this uh, yes. great endeavor. Oh, and, you wonderful. know, it's not like you've been sitting around doing nothing since Stevie Wonders, isn't she lovely? You've got uh, two <laughs> Grammys, Herb Alpert's Human Nature, uh, and 2016, Keb Moe, The Reflection, Best Blues Album, 2011, producer, composer, co-writer of the multiple chart-topping artist, including Jeff Ryan, the other guy, Will Donato, Phil Delny, and uh, Grammy Award winners Najee and Denise Williams. So many, so many things. You've got the, um, the 2004, The Calling, which is an absolutely beautiful, beautiful uh, song as well. And oh, here's a guy, you. here's a guy who just, he, he enjoyed, again, he's thinking about pre-med, but he said, you know, I really like this music thing. And, and if you're listening to this and you're going, you know, I really like this music thing, there's really no reason that you cannot do um, you know, what Greg has done, uh, that Vel has done. It all starts with a love and a passion for doing what you do. 
And I've always said that if you do something you love, you never work a day in your life. And I guarantee you that each of you will have that to say. You have never worked a day in your life because every day is something that you love. Is that right? That's true. Yeah. Right. It's, it's absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I mean, you know, to just, just for me, just to keep it real, the, the music industry, the music business, you know, the, the music part, I never have a problem with. Sometimes the business part can be very challenging. You know, mm-hmm. there, there, there are some political things, some some business things. And, and of course, now, you know, the, 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 the industry, when you look at it in the 90s, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, and now with with streaming, it has completely changed. And That's unfortunately, right. especially for composers, you know, that rely on, on royalties, it has changed for the worse. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I really hope, and I always say this in interviews, I really hope the streaming rates will, will go up because right now it's, it's highway robbery. It is. It's terrible. And unfortunately, that's what's happening. That is the reality of, of the business that you're in. Yeah. Yeah, but you still do it. You still love it, and you still do a great job at it. Um, I tell you what, it's, it's been a lot of fun getting to know you better here. And I, and what's going to be really cool is all of the folks who will listen to this podcast and say, "Dude, I met him. I I, I heard him. I know him now. <laughs> I know he still has his Fender Rhodes." So beyond Stevie Wonder, who would you like to play with that you haven't played with yet? Oh man, you you know uh, ah. What one of my dreams is uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Mm-hmm. You know, I, of course, I don't know if this is ever going to happen, but uh, especially growing up in Switzerland, I wore out Stevie Wonder records and Earth, Wind, and Fire records. Just mm-hmm. you know, just just love the band. Uh, who else is is out there? Now, that's actually I mean, you play a good question. Most everybody, so I <laughs> don't yeah. need a lot left over. Well, well, well I mean, you know, like in in the smooth jazz world, I've I've played with with a lot of people, but uh, I I you know, the older I get, I actually like rock music. Just 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 the rawness of 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 that style is is fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. And and lately, I went back. I, I'm listening to Led Zeppelin, and there's mm-hmm. just incredible stuff in there. Just, just incredible. I was in Columbus, Ohio, at Ohio State University uh, one evening after the uh, Led Zeppelin had been there at a concert. This goes back to the uh, the eighties, I think it was. Yeah, um, it was like I'm here in the same space that Led Zeppelin was. This is pretty good. Wow, wow. And you know, yeah. when you think about that from a from a, a promote a production standpoint, I mean, the stuff that they were doing was earth shattering, groundbreaking. It was totally oh, to to, to this day, to this day. I, I don't think, I mean, you know, the, the techniques that they used, recording drums and in stairways, all that stuff, I, I we would be hard-pressed to emulate this with, with plugins. It's I think it's impossible. They, they were so far ahead of, of, of their time, you know. We have, we have this little Dan Electro amplifier. It's a little mini one. It's got like a three-inch speaker or something. Yep. And it says, it sounds best when you put it in the bottom of a garbage can and mic it. Okay, <laughs> we can do that. Sure, we can mic that thing. That'll be fine. Then. So, this is good. Yeah, right. I mean, it has been. Go ahead. Those crazy ideas, I, I, I just love it. I just love it, and I always yeah. love stuff that that sounds a little different. You know, I, I mean, the, 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 there's always a balance. Lately, people come to me. I've been quite successful getting people on on, on the Billboard charts, but. Uh, 
there's a tendency, and I think in, in every genre, there's a tendency to make everything sound alike. If something yeah. has been successful, then everybody wants to sound exactly like this. But people yeah. keep forgetting you are not that artist. You know, right. it, it, it's impossible to sound like that artist because you are a different human being. And and lately, that's kind of my thing. When I get to work with a new artist, I really want to see what's there, what what's the essence, and I want to try to en enhance the essence and, and not make it like a fad that, that sounds good, you know, mm -hmm. on, on the charts for a week, and then nobody remembers it. Right. And I, I got to say, lately, what, one record that came out that I think is absolutely groundbreaking is a Pino Palladino's new record with, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce the guy, Blake Mills. He's also he's a great producer, guitar player. And uh, if, if you have time, listen to that record. It's called Attachment with Notes or, or Notes with mm. Attachment. Uh, now mm. I forgot the title. It, it's, it's, it sounds like nothing you've ever heard before. It's wow. just amazing. And and that's that, that's that's one thing I'm striving for. I want to create music that is just, you know, nobody has heard this before. Yeah. Uh, nobody has heard it before. I love that. I love that 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 facet of that. I was listening. I'm a big fan of Al Jarreau, always have been. We used to play him on the oh, radio in yes. the, the 70s yes. and 80s and everything. But I thought it was really interesting because I went and, and took like a We're in this love together or Roof Garden or whatever from the from the 80s, I think it was. And um, and then I compared it to the uh, the jazz stuff that he was doing a little bit later on toward the end of his life, and if you looked at the waveforms back then, they were little. There was not a lot of volume. Okay, and then you come to this, you come to the ne next stage of of Al, where he's being produced now, and everything is much louder. Not too loud, but just louder, more present, and uh, it really does make a difference. But you go back and listen to that, and you go, wow, that was a, that was a big difference between then. And now they haven't lost the dynamics of the music, but it's much louder. Uh, I, I, I would assume, you know, it used to be you made it louder because you played it on the radio and he wanted the songs to be nice and loud. Yeah, there was a radio station uh, back in the 60s and 70s that used to speed up uh, the music to make it sound brighter on the radio. They would, <laughs> oh, my God. They did. They, so you, you'd be, you know, a song in E is now an F. Or whatever. Wow. Um, um, so, but they don't do that anymore. But but loudness is a thing. I, I I've always been a big fan of dynamics. I love to hear uh, highs and lows of stuff. But it has to have punch. It has to have a good feeling to it as well. And oh, it definitely. It's, it's fun to mention this because the other day I listened to old David Sanborn records, mm -hmm. and, and and the sax is so dynamic. It's really it's very mm -hmm. soft. Then there's spikes and and soft again. And, and nowadays, you know, everything is is, is like so comp. Uh, uh, they use so much compression. It, it's mm -hmm. like at one level. And I think you know, music is is, is like life. It's like a heartbeat. You know, it has yeah. to vary. If if it's the same, it, it can very easily become very boring. That's right. Yeah. And and I think we are overdoing compression on on, on modern records. No, yeah. good point. Bill, mm -hmm. uh, we're about to wrap up here. Would you like to, yes. uh, you know, we, we let you get in the conversation here, dude? Well, thank Come you. On. I appreciate Come it. On. You're welcome. I'll just sit back and have a, a drink some water. Here. Well, I, I've said some really good things. I think, you know, that uh, complimented what uh, Greg was coming from, you know, in just terms of uh, where uh, music sits with the audience that we have. 
uh, whether it be through this podcast or on the radio waves or so forth, you know, because um, as we kind of talked about in uh, before we started the show is that you know, I am continuing to do new music as well as Greg has been and so many other artists that are involved with F2F that have been either on the podcast or that I'm working with. So it's always an evolving type of scenario in the music world. And I love that. Um, and I'm just hoping that, uh, you know, going forward that you know, we're not going to lose that momentum that has been built into music. Uh, one of the things we talked about was with the pandemic, the way it is, and so many venues you know, shutting down and uh, festivals closing down because it you know, just can't have all those people all in one place that artists have been recording a lot. And there's so much music that's coming down the pipeline right now. It's just incredible. And I'm glad to see that and um, just want to be a part of it, you know, going forward. So we're going to keep on doing our thing, making more music and uh, helping kids learn that uh, they can be a part of it too. Uh, even though they are you know, maybe just learning an instrument now or trying to get good at it, keep on don't stop because every day you get better and better and better the more you do it so um, i think we've been a really good testament to that and uh, i'm sure greg feels the same way <laughs> because oh, the more you absolutely. do it the better you get absolutely mm -hmm. it's a very good point because uh it's a very good point Vale. because i think sometimes i think for beginners it can be very daunting you know even for me it's daunting i go on youtube and I see all these keyboard prodigies, and I'm like, man, you know, this kid is 12, and 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 he or she can play around me like, like you know. But but I think the thing to remember is, you know, it, it's 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 the fun in music. You don't right. have to be, you, you know. Sometimes I, I think these these people they they look at it like uh like 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 track like an athletic thing. And music is, is different from an athletic thing, you know. You, you don't have to run as fast. You, you just have to be really sincere about your music. And also, my, my point, sometimes on YouTube, I see so many people, they play on their own. And they sound incredible when, yes. when they play on their own. But to me, the magic of music is you have to play with others. And you have mm -hmm. to make other, you have to learn how to make others sound good. Right. And I think, again, right. that that goes into the, the education of, of music. You have to learn to be unselfish. Uh, as you said, Val, you know, the, the, the great thing is the next Herbie Hancock, the next Jaco Pastorius, they're all out there. That's right. And, and it, it, will, it will never stop, which is a beautiful thing. M music mm -hmm. is life. It will That's never right. stop. And like Greg, they can't do it without a Fender Rhodes. So, or a Hammond organ. Or a Hammond organ, yes. Okay, product placement. I like that. And Greg, uh, if we got you, now you're looking at Vel. We're not showing this on the podcast, but you're looking at Vel's T-shirt there. Yeah. If we got you an F2F Foundation uh, t-shirt would you wear it to switzerland and over in, in europe would you oh absolutely absolutely send go. me a large and i'll never take it off <laughs> this is this has been a fun and inspiring conversation you guys are doing great things and uh, create great create the next great is what you guys are doing here is uh, looking for that next amazing thing coming along greg manning bell lewis this is faith to form the podcast for the f2f music foundation and that's a wrap